Your journey starts now. Hello and welcome to Journey Coaching Podcast. My name is John Y. Uh, make sure to visit Journey Coaching website at journeycoaching.org. That's journeycoaching.org. Well, today's topic is is always timely and always serious as we talk today about suicide or the, the taking of one's own life. Today with me here at Journey Studios are Terry Carlson. Terry is a registered nurse and a licensed mental health counselor. Terry's also one of the founders of Journey Coaching. So, hi, Terry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Well, we thank you for taking the time out of your day to, to be with us. And also uh, with us is Don Evans. And uh, Don, you've heard on the podcast before. Uh, Don is a Journey Coach, and he brings a wealth of life experience to our discussion today. You might say that Don has a Ph.D. in life. Welcome, Don. Good to see you. Thanks, John. How are you today? I am. I am well, thank you. And this is a uh, a bit of a serious topic from uh, maybe what you would hear on our podcast in general. It's a little bit heavy, and you might wonder uh, how that fits into our podcast uh, with regard to uh, guided personal coaching. Uh, but in many respects, there are many circumstances that could be linked to suicide and the lack of having someone in your corner uh, throughout your life journey. And we'll mention that again throughout today, but I want to make sure that we mention it right off the top. Uh, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. If you're contemplating taking your own life as you listen to this podcast, we want you to stop listening right now and call that number, 1-800-273-8255. Okay, let's start our discussion about how this topic percolated to the top and, and why we're talking about it today. Don, I'm going to start with you this, uh, this day and ask you um, what kind of led to um, your request, really, to, to do a podcast uh, about suicide. Well, John, it's been just about roughly two weeks ago now. A friend of mine from a life group that I'm involved with on Sundays at church uh, made a I guess a bad choice and took her own life. Um, this is something I struggled with years ago myself. And as you had mentioned earlier, other people have heard me on these podcasts. Uh, we did do a podcast. I think Terry, you and I did the one on loneliness. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was something that I'd always contemplated maybe doing here at journey, but we, you know, we're trying to be life coaches and help people and, you know, lift them up. And I'm like, wow, we really wouldn't want to be doing my sad story because I dealt with that for a lot of years, not real long ago. So for what sparked me to do it was because of that loss, um, was very close to her and her husband. And it just motivated me to reach out to journey coaching, speak with Terry and say, I think we should do this. So, Don, set the stage just a, a little bit for us here. Uh, your friend uh, obviously had a family, committed uh, a suicide, taking her own life, um, and yet that has a personal uh, experience in your own life as well, correct? Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, about your story uh, real quick as, as regards to what your thoughts were, maybe what led you to... Uh, think about that kind of uh, ultimate decision and and maybe a little bit of what swayed you away from that well in okay so with her I think there's an assumption out there that people sometimes think they can see notice some things and it's true I mean Terry you know you could speak into this a lot more intelligently than me but in her case John 
nobody would have suspect, suspected this in a million years. She was very deep into the word, you know, uh, notes, multiple Bibles. She was just a wealth of knowledge. We all commended her and admired her every Sunday for the homework and amount of time that she spent doing this. But yet, I have to be honest, and I shared with the group that I've always glanced at her and didn't see any happiness. I don't feel guilty. There's, as the pastor that did the service at church said, that, you know, just know that you're all going to have a lot of what ifs. Well, what if I would have noticed it? And what if I could have, you know, should I have talked to her? Um, he said, don't play that blame game with yourself because you didn't know. Uh, but I honestly have to say, I kind of thought there was something a little odd there because of the she was just kind of shut down. She was easily sharing the wealth of knowledge, but then was very quiet. Um, mm -hmm. But we're all different. Now, thank God everybody's as extroverted as I am. We joke about that all the time here. Uh, in my story, mine, part of it was in the loneliness podcast that we did. It was just going through a lot of real hard struggles in life. Uh, another wife had left. Kid thing with the one with a kid of mine, her and I had uh, taking her away from me. Uh, tough economy times, money was tight. Uh, I w had been drinking regularly at the time when it was more than what you'd call a social drinker. So I spent a lot of time alone in my garage thinking about that and just basically was having a pity party for myself. And it started to get really way out of control. Uh, this went on for months and months and months. And then I, I won't go into those details. If anybody wants to know, you know, reach out to us, be glad to share on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Uh, but, uh, I spent a lot of time planning how I was going to do it. Uh, and then I chose not to, and then I chose an alternative way. Uh, then I decided to try to drink myself to death. And fortunately, that didn't work either. So that's that's just a real brief story of it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this as we were doing it today. Uh, I just really feel inclined to come and talk about this because I don't, if there's anything I can do to not ever lose a friend or any of our listeners, if you're like you said in the opening, if you're thinking about it, get off of here now and call that number. But if, if one person, just one in the whole world, stops today, then us three spending time here, it's more than worth it. You know, that's that's very true, Don. And I appreciate you sharing uh, that personal information. It's not easy to share that. Um, Terry, the, the story probably sounds familiar if you've uh, and have worked with uh, uh, people who are contemplating suicide or having struggles in their lives where that might be uh, something they would think about. Um, is this common? Is this something that is uh, common in thoughts of uh, humans uh, today? Absolutely. I think um, if, if people are truly honest, um, most people will say that at some point in their life, they have thought about what it would be like to die. Mm 
Amen. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to commit suicide. Just thinking about it isn't, you know, looking at it from a, a counselor's perspective, um, I'll have people sometimes come in and they're afraid that if they tell me that they're, they're think they've thought about dying, that I'll do something, I'll have them committed or whatever. And, and I try to explain that, no, that's, that is more common than anybody probably thinks about that. It, you know, I, it would be really unusual, I think, to find somebody who, who had never thought about what would it feel like to die and, and, you know, there, most people, I think, even who commit suicide or try to, it's not so much that they want to die. I think it's just that they, they want to stop hurting. They want to stop. This life is so painful. They, they want to stop living because living means hurting. Mm-hmm. And if they found a way out of the hurting, I don't think that, that, that taking their own life would be the option they would choose. You just nailed it. I got to jump in here. Because, yeah, I, I couldn't take the mental pain anymore. I couldn't. And I couldn't take the physical pain anymore. It would just gotten so, so horrible. And I would listen to certain country songs. I could probably tell you the four or five that I listened to. And it's not about country music. I've heard Christians come at me years ago. Well, it's depressing stuff to listen to. Well, that's your take on it. But unfortunately, those songs, most of them are true about a heartfelt pain that this person went through. You know, Trace Atkins, I keep on trying. He's climbing and crawling. He just keeps trying, but he keeps on trying. He doesn't give up. Um, But the pain, and we've joked about this on podcasts. I'm kind of a tough, rowdy sort of fellow. You'd think, well, God, nothing's going to bother him. You know, it's like cast iron. Not, no, you you can't. judge a book by its cover and you can't judge a human's being feelings by the way they present themselves you know i'll use my own word i was a pretendaholic for years i contemplated suicide as recently as 2018 that you don't even know terry so in that little shed all that drinking i was just not running at it hard but i honestly didn't care if i don't wake up it's okay Mm mm-hmm I wasn't setting out. There was no plan in place. It's just that I drank every day. Uh, if I don't make it, I don't make it. But by the grace of God, I did. And that's why I'm still here. And that's why I'm doing this today. Well, Don mentions uh, some excellent uh, maybe underlying criteria as to what people uh, are looking at. Are there any commonalities, Terry? Uh, is it uh, uh, is it depression? Is it... Uh, uh, life circumstances, uh, money, uh, relationships, or could we just do that a multiple choice and, and check all of the boxes? Yeah, above? all of the above. What do you see, and what maybe what is uh, what is some of the research uh, saying? Well, I'll, go, I'll start with what I see, and then I think the research pretty much backs it up. Um, I think depression is one of the biggest factors when people are so depressed that they get that feeling of hopelessness and depression often, I tell my, my clients, depression is lying to you. Um, it's saying you will never get better. And that adds to that hopelessness that you feel. And so I think depression is, a, is one of the big factors. Although, well, I think that more people who commit suicide are depressed, the statistics actually only show about 5% of people who are depressed actually commit suicide or try. I, I think, you know, even though depression is, is a big factor, it doesn't mean just because somebody's depressed that they're going to do that. 
Um, but I think it has a lot to do with uh, that helplessness that people get to. And it, it feels, I don't know if you've ever been through depression before, but anybody who's been through depression, um, it, it just begins to, it, it's, I try to explain it this way. I've had people say, well, I'm not, I can't be depressed because I'm not sad. And it's not really about being sad. It's about not having that joy, not having that, you know, not enjoying things in life that they normally do, whether it's cooking or golfing or something like that. Um, people will often come to me and they'll say, well, I just don't enjoy these things that I used to enjoy all the time. And that's usually a first sign that maybe there's some depression going mm-hmm. on. Well, a lot of time, and for me back in that time, now this would have been when this really got out of control the first time would have been about 98 99 um but as you speak about they're not really sad but they don't have they're not happy one of my pains and sadness was that i didn't have my little girl anymore i was very disappointed that i had lost another wife to another man again and it just you get to this point and then you don't have family around you um, there's insights on that that Terry knows that we won't get off track here, but no contact with my children, my even my adult children, and um, I'm not blaming them. I'm just clarifying for people that are having thoughts that there's a thought that will take you down a deep, dark hole real fast is when you don't have any family connections. Isolation is one of the top warning signs. Yeah. And I people, said that, that get, loneliness yeah. thing. Don't I think we closed out that day with me saying something affected. Don't sit alone. Being alone is bad. And that's why those numbers have spiked up because of what's going on in our country right now. Look at the isolation. And you've got the numbers. We discussed them before this podcast. It's alarming when I found those last week that the the rate is that much higher because of this isolation stuff. Yeah. This is so hard on us. COVID you, you has not helped depression, with that. isolation. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, COVID hasn't helped that at all. No. Uh, what are some of the other, uh, Terry? Uh, well, I want to I want to focus a little bit on the isolation because I think that's a key thing. Sure. Isolation does a couple of things. First of all, we get isolated because of something like COVID, or family breakups, or you know different things like that. But then we start to feel bad, or the person starts to feel really bad, and then they they feel like they don't want to be out around other people, and so they further isolate themselves. So it may start off as isolation that's caused by something else but then they start to get really kind of in that in that zone of I need I'm I'm not worth anything and nobody needs to see me and it becomes a habit it becomes it becomes a yeah it's almost like a snowball kind of effect Mm -hmm. Um, but there are a lot of other factors um, substance use and substance abuse alcoholism Um, if if it's not a problem to begin with it can become a problem a lot of times in this there's more drinking now more alcoholism that rate is going up now because of covid um, you know, people aren't going out to the bars as much, but they're, you know, getting a, a, a great deal of alcohol and bringing it home. And that's how they're trying to cope with stuff like this. We know that alcoholism um, and, and substance abuse can make it worse. There are a lot of people who commit suicide or make a suicide attempt under the influence. You know, maybe in, in a sober state, state of mind, they would never do it, but then they get under the influence. And, and alcoholism specifically is, well, both of them, um, think of addiction as an emotional disease. Um, mm-hmm. Your emotions are heightened when mm-hmm. you're under the influence. And so when somebody's having some 
feelings like that to begin with, and then they drink too much or they take some pills or something like that. Um, there are a lot of issues with that. And one of the things that, that comes to mind, too, and, and as we're sitting here talking, my mind is, is thinking of adults mm-hmm. uh, who I would consider, you know, people over 18 years old, probably out of the house, maybe living on their own. Do we see this in children as well? Do we see a trend uh, even during these times uh, with, with the youth taking their own lives? Very young children, it's, it's almost incredibly rare, you know, the the zero to five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. The trend, they're starting to count at around 10, age 10. And of course, the the rate is very small in age 10 to, I'm not sure, I've got it, I, I looked at some statistics yesterday. Um, it, it starts to climb kind of after, after puberty, and then it gets, it just continues to climb. I think the highest rate, and again, I'd have to look at my statistics again, but I think one of the highest rates is actually in middle-aged men. Um, although there are there are other statistics I found that, for instance, um, the basically what they're seeing is women will actually attempt suicide more than men. Men succeed more than women, and so um, and and when women try it, they use a little bit less lethal methods than men do. A lot of times, men will use firearms or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, that was at my peak. You nailed it. I was middle aged, mm-hmm. my 40s, and I, I it just jogged my memory. I am still blown away by the question you asked me that morning when I called you on the phone. Do you remember what you asked me when I told you a brief mm-hmm. snapshot of what I was doing? Shot, no pun intended. I had a gun stuck in my mouth night after night and oh, never God. pulled the trigger. Do you remember what you asked? Yes, me? I did. Would you ask me that again? Didn't. Just say it. Like you said, why Why did I not pull the trigger? Right. What kept you from pulling the trigger? I didn't want to make a mess of the beautiful garage that I built. And you said... You, you valued your garage more than your own life. Isn't that pathetic? No. No, but seriously, I want people to hear that. I valued my garage more than I valued my own life and the damage that it would have done to friends and family, even the ones that weren't talking to me. Just look what that would have done. But the number one thing that kept me from my toe squeezing the trigger on the 12 gauge was I didn't want to mess up my nice, pretty garage that I, mm-hmm. yeah, that's I mean, pretty, pretty speaks bad. To, speaks to putting our faith in, in things yeah. uh, sometimes rather than in an uh, interesting way, what our own in life Bible, is like. We right? always talk about God doesn't like people that hoard and hang on to stuff, you know. But in this case, it kept you alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I valued my stuff, but I didn't value my life. And side note on that, I wasn't connected to God or Jesus at that time in my Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. I knew, believed in God and Jesus, but I had no connection, no church background, no nothing. Uh, So, Well, and that's a nice segue into the question, Terry, of, uh, you know, what what are some of those circumstances that maybe allow... Uh, an individual to make a different decision like Don did uh, and to not take his life, even though he was very close to that. I mean, it was his garage, uh, a a possession. Um, You know, you've probably talked to people who are like Don who have uh, not taken their lives, but Mm -hmm. but thought about it and and planned it. Um, And I'm always looking for um, what kept them from doing it. 
that's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I can capitalize on that. If I find out that, well, you know, what's kept you from doing this so far? And they'll say, well, because of my daughter or my son or my, you know, my friends or what my family, you know, then I will capitalize on that. And I will really kind of go into that and, and talk about that relationship because that's a protective factor in their life. That's keeping them from hurting themselves. And, um, you know, we, we talk about how important that, that person is and how isn't that great that this person's in your life. And, and we really try to, to, to go with that. But there's, there's usually something that in that case that, that we can pull on that's a, that's a protective factor. I will tell you one thing that most, and maybe you two won't even believe, but I have to share it because it's gospel truth. There were several times during that six-month period, this became a night weekly game for me. Uh, but every once in a while, I would hear this voice. And my grandma said these words when I was about seven years old. She goes, Donnie, come here. I want to tell you something. You don't know Jesus, and I understand that, and you're not going to understand what I tell you. But I know, I know that someday Jesus is going to use you in a real miraculous way. She goes, now you go along now. I mean, this is a long time ago. I'm 61 years old. I heard that voice Mm -hmm. a couple nights and put the gun down. I don't know if there's any validation, but I, that's the truth. I heard her speak to me. We always talk about, well, I didn't hear Jesus directly speak to me, but I just felt, it was almost like I heard it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and that was an important voice in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was she was That's an important person yeah. in your life. A lot of respect. Her mm-hmm. and grandpa, good Christian people, read out of her Bible every day. Right. You know, that was the only thing I knew about being a Christian. Yeah. If I got to spend a weekend with them. But she always, she told all of her kids, my aunts and uncles, she goes, you know, if y'all could be a little more like Donnie there, you'd be better off. Well, look how I turned out. I was a mess and a drunk mm-hmm. and an alcoholic for years. But somehow those words rang loud in my ear. Well, and I love what she said because she she showed you love and she showed you value even when you weren't doing what she maybe would have thought. You you know, she wasn't holding that against you. Right. And now you, knowing me for almost two years now and knowing what I do, not to give myself any accolades, I think she was right. I think you're right. So, so let me let me kind of turn this back just a little bit. So we, you know, Don talked about his faith. Uh, talked about his uh, grandmother who uh, poured even for a brief moment into your life like that, mm-hmm. and and changed your life. Um, although you you couldn't see that until you got to that point, right? Yeah. What about our friend here that uh, that took her own life? Who uh, goes to church, uh, studied the Bible, was a believer. Uh, what do we say to those that might be listening out there uh, today um, that might be saying, kind of like I am in my brain right now, that, why didn't our friend hear that voice? Um, how come she followed through knowing what she knows uh, about uh, the end of our lives and, and where we as Christians uh, purport to be? Um, what happened there? It, it, do we know? Um, is there any way to know? And is there anything we could have done uh, to help? Now, this is a tough question, and maybe there's not a good answer to that. I don't. I, I don't think there is. There's a lot of speculation. You know, some churches, some people would say, you know, if you take your life, you don't go to heaven. 
um, and they're picking a certain part of the Bible. I pick a different part of the Bible that says that there's nothing that can keep us from God's love, even ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so um, I look at, you know, it, maybe she was depressed. Um, and depression can be, you know, it's a, it's a mental illness. It's, it's something that, um, you know, I, I believe that we have a very loving God. And um, maybe it was her time. Maybe it was, you know, he let her come home because that was that it was her time to come home and, and stop being in pain. Yeah. Pastor spoke about that at the memorial service last Friday. Uh, that validates what you just said, your belief that, yeah, she went to heaven. She knew Jesus real well. She, she really knew Jesus, so would lead one to go, well, she had that much faith and that much trust in God. Why would she do that? Unbeknownst to me in her situation, uh, I have found out that they didn't do a lot of interacting with a lot of other people. They were quite secluded all the time. So this is just a, a wild guess as we were talking about the isolation stuff. You just wonder if she wasn't extremely lonely, even though she was married Mm -hmm. and uh, things of that nature. I can't say too much. I don't want to get in trouble here. Uh, Her husband knows that I'm recording this. So I did ask permission to record and talk about my story and just mention as a friend. Um, But yeah, I think there was a lot of loneliness there that we didn't even quite understand. Terry, you made a, a comment a little while ago when Don asked you what you said to him when he was telling you about uh, having a gun in his mouth every night. And you you said, uh, why didn't you do it? And and for those of us who, you know, maybe shy away <laughs> Actually, from... Actually, I think the question, uh, the, the question I asked was... What kept you what from kept doing it? What kept you? Yes, thank that you. That, that's, a, that's a little better way. To I didn't put want to. It. I didn't want to make it sound like. Well, why didn't you do it? I like both. Why <laughs> this is why the moderator the should take better you notes. Know? By the way, my toe and no. But you know that's a that's a pretty straightforward question. Um, most of us uh, probably uh, outside of counseling would tiptoe around a a, a question like that. Uh, you said it, and he had to answer it, and he did, and that led to you know better better counsel, better, you know, uh, understanding uh, between both of you in a counseling situation. Uh, is there anything harmful that we would say? If we, if we love somebody, if I, if I knew a family member, if I knew uh, a good friend who I knew was contemplating suicide, is there anything I should not say to them? Absolutely. Or is something better than nothing? <laughs> well, I think what happens a lot of times is it surprises us so much as, you know, just as human, human beings that somebody else would be this desperate, that somebody else would be in this much pain. And we don't, I think there's, there's, there's some panic that goes on in the average person when you hear about this, um, who hasn't gone through like, who doesn't have a master's degree in counseling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and even for those of us, there's still that tendency to panic if we don't, if we're, you know, and I think in our panic, we want to help. And so, but, but we say some really stupid things. Um, and I say stupid lightly. Um, one of the things I would say is don't minimize their pain. We tend to want to make them feel better. And so we say, oh, it's not that bad. Reality is it is that bad. For them it is. For them, that, for them it is. Um, we also may want to say, we offer some platitudes sometimes. You know, every cloud has a silver lining or cheer up. Um, we could also give them, we want to give them a pep talk. So we might say, oh, I thought you were stronger than that. 
all of those things would do exactly the opposite. If somebody had said those things to you, Don, would you have felt warm fuzzies or would you have? Oh, back then I'd have punched him. <laughs> no, I'm serious heart attack. Yeah. I would have just punched him. I was ornery. Um, and w- like where you're going with that too, even just through normal death, I- I've got to be honest and say this. I, I've heard people say this, so it's been like a year since that person's passed on. I've been blessed and humbled to get to do several eulogies in the last seven or eight years. And it just blows my mind when people go, well, you know, role play with me, John. Uh, John, you know, it's been over a year since your wife passed away from cancer. You know, you, you, you really need to get over it. I tell those people, you need to shut up and help them get through it, not over it. It's a process. I don't think you ever get over something like that. I mean, and and, and the things that I've studied and read since this happened with this lady, I've watched some really neat people that have a lot of knowledge about this and you can't do stuff like that to them. And, and then you have kids. I did a eulogy for a farmer. Lost his wife to cancer. Eight months later, he remarried a lady. And the daughter walked away and hated him for the rest of his life. Well, mom's only been gone, you know, short time. What are you doing marrying this other woman? Just condemned him. And he he was honest with her. He said, honey, you don't understand. He's a construction worker and a farmer. I worked for this guy for years. OCD-er than I am. And he said, honey, you don't realize I have never cooked a meal. I take a lunchbox out with me to work every day, and your mother packed them every I don't even know how to make a sandwich. He could build, and he worked for the Air Force and could build jets. But see, people don't understand. They, they want to jump on something right away and make their own assessment of, well, that's not right that you go and marry somebody else right away. And, in, and his comment back to her was, and they didn't even go to church, Terry. He goes, well, shacking up ain't the way to go. If she's going to be in the house, I'm going to marry her. You know, so I think I what I hear you saying and what what I think Terry has uh, pointed out as well is that we you know one of the things I think you could do is seek understanding right mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely um, en- engage the conversation and 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 try to find some understanding as to why uh, they feel this way in uh, their grace lives and comes it, to mind yeah we need to show grace well and if you say something like everything will be okay i promise you're shutting off that mm-hmm. conversation you're you're you shut off any opportunity to gain understanding right it, it, tell me more I offer the open-ended question about yeah. uh you know uh, you could be in shock and i think it's okay to let people know that but it's like okay well tell me why you feel that way and um it's also a good point to <clears throat> remind us of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number one more time. It's 800-273-8255. Uh, as we wrap up this podcast, uh, success stories. Um, certainly there's been people that you've counseled, Terry, over the years that uh, have talked to you about this, that, that did what Don did and decided not to, to take their own lives. Um, is there hope for folks Absolutely. after after depression, after uh, uh, tragedies in your family, after all the things we've talked about in this last 25 minutes about uh, what could cause someone to, to consider taking their own lives? I, I think the hope in, in the success stories really that I have seen have come from when somebody comes alongside somebody and says, hey, you look like you're not feeling so good. How are you doing? And what can I do to help? And, um, you know, I know this counselor. 
I know this, this place that can help, you know, and they, they just open up the, like you said, open up the conversation and try to understand what's going on. Um, it may be what you think it may not be, but, but you won't know unless you open up that conversation in a non-judgmental sort of way mm-hmm. and ask the question, you know, how are they feeling? Validate their, their feelings. I, I get it. It must be so hard what you're going through. I've never been through this. Help me understand what that feels like for right. you. This young man in California that I'm coaching right now, he had asked me here a couple of weeks ago, this relates and connects right here. I just thought of this. Um, when you're feeling bad and you've got that loneliness going on and just all these things coming at you, you're, you're sitting there defining yourself. He brought to my attention in this manner. When he contacted us and got connected with me, I said, you're going to college for this. You've already coaching people. I'm not qualified to coach you. He came right back at me, guys, and said, Don, can I suggest that you write this down? And I said, yes, sir. He said, start letting God define me. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion to our listeners is, I don't care how bad you think you are, how worthless you think your life is, that you're convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, it can't possibly get any worse. I'm just going to take my life and I can't do this anymore. Why don't you give that to Jesus and let him define you? He defined me. You want a success story, John? That was your question? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm speaking into this microphone. I'm looking at him right I'd now. I'd say that's a, as my pra- pastor says, my head senior pastor at the church I go to says, and I stole his line. I love it. I want one more for Jesus today. That's his goal on his personal level. I want one more for Jesus today. Every day when he gets up, he wants to try to get one more to Jesus, whether it's somebody in a store walking down the street. So there's a success story because this old cowboy is still here. <laughs> and we're glad you are. Uh, any final words or thoughts, uh, Terry? I think if, if you're a person who has someone that you love in kind of the, the darkness in their, their struggling and stuff, you know, try not to, to panic. Try to just understand them. And um, realize that people will usually not talk about suicide. There are a few people who will leave a note or something, but usually they don't. You might hear some statement like um, they might talk about how things are never going to get better or those kind of statements. Take those seriously and and ask them what they mean by that. Um, You know this better than me, Terry. If you even sense somebody's thinking about it, just sit down and get some people around them. Don't leave them alone. I'm sure if you call that number... They'll tell you that Don can't be alone now. John, you know, called the number for me and said, this guy needs help. And you can't leave him alone. 60 seconds from now, they might pull the trigger. Right. Well, that and I I think also just realizing that um, you may have to do some other things. If somebody is truly talking about hurting themselves you know, remove harmful items. Mm -hmm. I had, um, I've been, I have learned to not be afraid to ask the specific question when somebody comes in and they're very depressed. Have you been thinking, have you thought about hurting yourself? And then when they say yes, on the times that they say yes, I'll say, have you thought about how you're going to do it? And if they say a certain method, then I make sure that that method is taken out of their house. (laughs) Um, you know, it's, it's, don't be afraid to ask the questions you're not going to talk them into doing it. Right. Right. They've already thought that through uh, mm-hmm. fairly well. So, 
Well, once again, a, uh, a serious topic today, um, but a very important topic. And I, I want to thank you both, uh, Terry and Don, for uh, spending the time, um, your thoughts, your expertise, uh, just your background. Uh, and we hope that that's helped someone out there today as you listen to uh, this podcast. And again, if you are uh, contemplating suicide right now, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is one 800 273-8255. You can also make sure you tell someone about our website, journeycoaching.org, and you can click on the green Get in Touch button at the bottom of the screen. You'll find this and more podcasts on our site and the ability to start your journey and experience real connection. So relationship, strengths, and purpose, that is Journey Coaching. I'm John Y, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time and make sure you like and subscribe. Visit us at journeycoaching.org and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Start your own journey at journeycoaching.org. Your life, your journey starts now.